So my family and I are walking through a mall in Bloomington Normal, Illinois. We're down visiting Shannon's family. They're from the Bloomington Normal area. And uh, we're in the mall. We're walking down uh, a corridor, and I'm, I'm, I'm window shopping. I'm a shopper. I love to shop. Uh, I love to window shop. I love to in-store shop more than window shop. Uh, but uh, we're walking, and we're window shopping, and we're walking down the corridor. And, I, and I'm, I'm just kind of gazing and looking into the stores and stuff. And, and I see a sign, and it's this sign in this store. And it says, are you who you were a year ago? And I was so struck by this sign that I thought to myself, you know what? That'd make a really interesting sermon topic. Well, it's the mind of a preacher, you know, always looking to preach something. So uh, I thought, man, that would make a really interesting sermon topic. Are you who you were a year ago? And I took it a step further and I started thinking, Man, I bet you we could do a whole sermon series, just a little brief sermon series about signs. The, the signs that we see all around us. And let's face it, there are signs all around us. We see signs everywhere we go. Uh, some signs are informative, such as, where is the restroom? That's a good sign, right? That, you want to know that. Uh, the, some signs are, uh, have commands on them, such as a red stop sign. tells you to stop. Not roll through, by the way. Stop. Uh, and then you get signs like this that are kind of poignant and uh, kind of make you think. And that's what I did when I saw this sign. Uh, are you who you were a year ago? And it made me think. I was thinking about my own life. I was thinking about, am I who I was a year ago? I was saying, am I a better father than I was a year ago? Am I a better husband than I was a year ago? Uh, am I a better minister, a better preacher than I was a year ago? Am I a better follower of Christ than I was a year ago? How am I doing when it comes to this question? How am I doing when it comes to my walk with Jesus? When it comes to being a faithful follower of Christ, when it comes to being fully surrendered and fully devoted to Him and fully submitted to Him, how am I doing when it comes to my relationship with God? Am I who I was a year ago? And I take it a step further and, and I think, well, am I who I was three years ago or, or five years ago or, or ten years ago? How am I doing? I think we all want to do better. I think we all know that we need to do better. Am I right? I think we all need to, uh, we're all trying to figure out, you know, how am I doing when it comes to my faith? And how am I doing when it comes to my family? And how am I doing when it comes to my job? And so we'll ask this question, how am I doing with regard to my relationship with Christ? Am I who I was a year ago? We'll ask, are we who we were a year ago? Are we who we were five years ago or 10 or 20? Some of you weren't even here 20 years ago. Not here at GSCC, I mean here on this planet. We've got some young folks here too. Are you who you were a year ago? Like I said, I think we all want to do better. We want to be better parents. Uh, we want to be better spouses. 
or a better boyfriend, better girlfriend. We want, we want to be a better student or a better employee. We want to do better because we know that somehow deep down inside we don't measure up. We don't have it all figured out. We still wrestle and struggle with sins and, and, and trials and tests and temptations. We still struggle so much. Whether it is an outward sin or a, a sin of the attitude, a sin of the heart, we, we still struggle with the, the sin in our lives. And, and there's a reason for that. It's because we're human. Now, how do I know this? Because Paul talks about this in, in Romans chapter 7. I, I, I want to read this for you. This is Romans seven fourteen through 25. It says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. I know the law is good. I'm supposed to do what is right. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody feel that? I feel that. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, so you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. We feel that tension. We feel that pull. We feel that tug. We, we feel it. This, this incredible tension that I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm not supposed to do. Yet I still do what I'm not supposed to do. And I don't do what I'm supposed to do. And I just want to be like Frank Sinatra. Doobie dooby doo. but yet I can't do what's right and I always seem to do what's wrong. And it brings me back to this question, am I who I was a year ago? Are you who you were a year ago? Are we who we were a year ago? We know we're supposed to be growing. We know we're supposed to be getting better. We know we're supposed to be growing in our faith. After all, even Jesus grew in his relationship with God. Listen to Luke 2.52. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Even Jesus grew. Yet, hmm, I can't seem to. I can't seem to get past myself. I can't seem to get out of my own way. And I don't grow like I should. Grab a Bible, either out of the chair in front of you or if it's one you brought with you. I want you to turn to Second Peter 3. 
We're going to talk about spiritual growth this morning as we begin this sermon series called Signs. And we're going to talk about what it means to grow as a believer, to grow as a Christian, uh, to become what God wants us to be. And I think that if we look back over time and we think to ourselves, am I who I was a year ago? Well, hopefully the answer is no, that we have grown. Or am I who I was five years ago? Nope, I've grown. Or 10 or 20. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 is what I want to look at for just a minute. I got a lot of scripture we're going to read this morning. I want to start here with 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. It says, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To grow in your relationship with God. To grow. It's not an option. <laughs> Growth is not an option. You look around creation all around us. Everything grows. Trees grow. Plants grow. My little guy, he grows. Goodness, does he grow. I buy him shoes every three months. What's going on with that? Because he grows. We all grow. And the expectation is that we will grow in our relationship with God. To grow in the wisdom and the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus. That we will not stay put. That we will not stay static. But that rather we will move and we will grow. And we will follow. And we will become more like Jesus Christ. That we will be transformed. And that we will be conformed to his image. That we will become more like Jesus. Now, when we hear this, this idea of becoming more like Jesus, I think we have the wrong idea. Because we tend to think, well, to be more like Jesus means I have to be perfect. That's impossible. If you could be perfect, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. And since Jesus died on the cross, I'm pretty sure you can't be perfect. But I can tell you what, you can be more like Jesus. Not in sinless perfection, but in complete love. Because I believe with all my heart that to love more means that you will sin less. You won't be sinless, but you will sin less. That if I can be more loving like Jesus toward my neighbors, toward y'all, toward my family. I'm sorry, I went in Texas on you for a minute. But if I can be more loving like Jesus, I will sin against people less. If I love my wife like Jesus loves other people, I will sin against her less. If I love you like Jesus loves you and like he loves me, I will sin against you less. If I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I will sin against him less. Because to sin against God hurts God. And why would I want to do that? Why would I want to hurt anyone whom I love? If I truly love them unconditionally, the way that God loves me, the way that I'm supposed to love you, if I truly love you unconditionally, I'm not going to hurt you. Maybe the last thing I want to do. And all sin does is hurt. So to be like Jesus, I, I don't think it means that we walk around going, I can't sin, can't sin, can't sin, can't. Oh no, I sinned. It's how can I love? How can I love more and more? How can I be like Jesus and forgive others when they hurt me? 
How can I be like Jesus and show mercy to those who need it? How can I be like Jesus and show grace to the ones who don't deserve it? How can I be like Jesus and love people unconditionally, to love my family unconditionally, to love my parents and my brothers and sisters? How can I love you unconditionally like Jesus does? See, to me, that is the secret to being more like Jesus, to be conformed to his image, for Jesus is love. And if I can become more like him, I will become more loving and forgiving and merciful and kind and generous like him. That's what I really believe it means to become more like Jesus, to be more like him. And that is part of the growth process. That is what we are growing to become, is to become more like Christ. This is what we're called to do. That's why we get together on a Sunday morning. Okay, it's more than just getting together to, to sing a few songs or to take communion. It's more than just getting together to, to shake a few hands and give a few hugs. It's more than just getting together because we need something to do on a Sunday morning. And this is the best option. It might get me into heaven, I guess, so I guess I'll go to church. That's not why we're here. We're here to encourage each other, to praise God, and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we do this, so that we become more like Jesus. We spend time with Jesus to become more like Jesus, to learn to surrender and to submit to the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about that for just a, just a few minutes um, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, this is what Paul writes. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we see that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, it may sound like that's a lot of work. It may sound like that's something that I have to do, and that's, that's a hard thing to do. That's a lot of work. But let me tell you something, okay? I want to I tell you something about this process of sanctification is the fancy word for it. This process of spiritual growth, this spiritual transformation. In that passage in Romans, the original language, the verb that is used there about renewing our minds is a passive verb. In other words, transformation and renewing of your mind is not your job. It is the job of the Holy Spirit. See, I could, you could show up here next week, and I could walk up to you, and I could say, hey, Greg, you got the sermon ready? And Greg would look at me like I got a third eye growing out of my head. What do you mean? If I got, That's not my job. You're exactly right. That's my job. I have the sermon ready, hopefully. But when it comes to spiritual transformation... When it comes to becoming more like Jesus, we tend to put all the pressure on ourselves and think, I have to do this, I have to get better, I have to be better, I have to be more like Jesus, and you are not capable of doing that on your own. It is not your job to make you more like Jesus. Do you know whose job it is? The Holy Spirit's job. 
this, this word, this verb here, the renewing of your mind is a passive. Be renewed. Allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. Allow him to change you. Allow him to transform you. Submit and surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit within you. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, you believe in Him and you repent from your sins, you confess your faith and are baptized. Acts 2.38 says that the, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. The Holy Spirit fills you to the brim. The Holy Spirit lives in you and begins to change you and transform you and sanctify you and make you more like Jesus. Your job in this whole process, the only thing you have to do is say, yes. Holy Spirit, I submit to you. Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. Jesus, I want to be more like you. Transform me, change me, make me different, make me like Jesus. Transform me. It is an act of surrender. It is an act of submission. It is a passive verb not an active one but it is a continuous verb it is a process that keeps on going and going and going until you stand before Jesus face to face now there's more <laughs> but wait there's more second Corinthians 5 17 and 18 tells us something uh, very similar that we are made new by Jesus when we come to him for salvation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is from God who does this. God is the one who makes us new. God is the one who makes us into new creations. That the old is gone, the new has come. It is God who does this work in us. Now, when we come to Christ for salvation, he makes us brand new the old is gone take off the old self put on the new self we'll talk about that in ephesians chapter 4 take your bible turn to ephesians chapter 4 we're going to read a lot of scripture now because i have a challenge for you this morning i'll give you in just a second ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 i want to read this and talk about it for just a few minutes Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, these are passive verbs. This is not something that you do. This is something that is done to you by God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one transforming you. The Holy Spirit is the one conforming you to the image of the Son. The Holy Spirit is the one that is helping you grow spiritually in your relationship with God. It is the Holy Spirit's work in us that causes this transformation. In the book of Ephesians, the first half of the book is all about uh, theology, and it's all about who God is and what He's like and why, why we believe what we believe. And then in the second half of the book, it gets very, very practical of what it looks like to put on this new self. And so I want to take about five minutes, and I want to read the second half of the book of Ephesians. So I want you to grab your Bible, because I want you to follow along. If you haven't grabbed a Bible yet, this is your last chance. Grab the Bible and read it with me. Ephesians 4, we're going to start in verse 17, and we're going to read through chapter 6, verse 18. Whoo! 
It's a lot of scripture. It's good stuff. Ephesians 4, 17 says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Any of you know any hardened heart people? Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, because you have been made new, because you are a new creation, because you are putting on the new self, because God is transforming your heart and your mind, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, must, must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he might have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife 
loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also, lo- also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he is who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That's a lot of scripture. That's a long passage, right? I want to tell you right now, this is my challenge for you today. For the next seven days, for seven days, from now until next Sunday, I want you to read that passage of scripture once a day. Can you do that? Just once a day, take five to seven minutes and read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through chapter 6, verse 18. Because I believe this, that you will find that when you get into God's word, God's word will get into you. That if you will get into God's word, his word will get into you and it will transform you and change you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you through God's word and make you more like Jesus. And that is what it's all about is becoming more like him. Now, this question I asked at the very beginning. Are you who you were a year ago? That's a really good question. But I think there's a better question. Who will you be a year from now? Who will you be a year from now? Good Lord willing in the creek don't rise, you'll be sitting in that chair one year from today. And knowing church people like I do, it will probably be that specific chair a year from now. The next year is going to go by. The next year will go by if the Lord tarries. The next year will go by. Who will you be a year from now? Will you be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Will you be changed and conformed to the image of the Son? 
Will you become more like Jesus or will you be less like Jesus? Will you be more loving and forgiving or will you be less loving and forgiving? Will you be more kind and compassionate or will you be more angry and bitter and resentful? Will you become more like Jesus or will you be less like him? The next year is going to go by, my friends. And you're going to hear this question maybe a year from now. Maybe you'll see it two years from now or maybe it'll come to mind and you'll think, am I who I was a year ago? What will your answer be? Like I said, my challenge for you is to read this passage of Scripture once a day for the next seven days. Take those seven, five to seven minutes and just read through that passage and contemplate, who am I today? Who do I want to be a year from now? And may God's Holy Spirit change us and transform us and conform us to the image of His Son that we may be more like Jesus.